We're all better off if we can find ourselves in a place of giving from overflow as opposed to giving from a place of exhaustion. We don't feel that they have the energy to hear the, the divergent voices in the room and trip over proper governance matters and that can lead to serious legal liability and misgivings. Arika Cole has focused her law career on serving the legal needs of churches and faith-based organizations. She is one of only a handful of attorneys in the nation whose practice has exclusively focused in the area of church law. She is the church attorney, registered trademark and all. Michael Martin discusses with Arika how leadership on health, how pastor burnout, how cultural changes can lead to legal risk that affect not just leaders, but entire churches and organizations. This is too important to miss. Eureka Cole, it's so good to see you. Welcome back to the ECFA podcast. How are you? I'm doing really well. I'm so glad to be here with you again, Michael. Thank you so much for the invitation. Well, thank you. I'll tell you what, you are no stranger to ECFA, so I don't even need to do all the introduction part. I mean, you've been, I think you've worn almost every hat that's possible other than being a staff member at ECFA. So you're like an honorary part of our team. Well, I am so delighted for the excellent work that you and the ECFA team um, provide to the body of Christ, um, including the, the work of the board as well. I am just going to take a quick moment um, since we just celebrated the life of Dan Busby, um, who was such a friend and an exceptional leader. So thank you for having me with you. Absolutely. Well, Eureka, I know Dan thought the world of you and yeah, appreciated your, I will mention for those uh, who are getting to know you that you have been a past uh, board member with ECFA, served in a number of different roles, uh, bring a background, really unique background from your legal expertise. And so as we engage today in this conversation around healthy leadership, which I know is a topic that you really share a lot of passion with, Eureka, you bring so much perspective uh, from a, yeah, again, a governance hat, um, someone who understands these issues from the law, and just so many other perspectives. But I just, I appreciate that. And thank you for the opportunity, too, to visit uh, with you recently on your podcast, the Church Law Podcast, which I encourage everyone who's listening to tune into that podcast. We're kind of picking back up where we left off last time you and I visited, right? Yeah, I'm really excited about that. Actually, we, you, the interview with you kicked off our season three of the Church Law Podcast, and it was a very important discussion. And so I'm now happy to be with your listeners to continue the important dialogue. Yeah, very good. Well, let's pick up right where we left off, which I know we always do that anyways, but even with our with our podcast here and talking about healthy leadership, I was visiting with you about a survey that we did here at ECFA around healthy leadership, you know, leader care and accountability and in some of those different issues. And you know, as I share with you on uh, your podcast, we talked about how many ECFA member organizations really see the strong connection between the integrity of the leader and trust in an organization is something like 94%, you know, made that connection. But then Erika, when we got into kind of drilling down a little bit deeper and saying how many organizations have written plans in place that would relate to character expectations of the leader, something like half, 
you know, half of organizations responded that they have something like that in place. And by the way, there are about 800 folks that responded to this survey. So it was a good sampling uh, of CEOs, senior pastors, and board chairs. But then we also talked about transitioning from not just character expectations or outward behavior of a leader, but really getting into what is that dynamic of how a board or how an organization provides a level of care for the leader. And uh, yeah, that's where it got even a little more sobering. Just 15% of nonprofit CEOs said that that was in place. So I'd love for you just to share from that conversation uh, as we've been talking about these findings, what really stands out to you, Erika? Well, first of all, it was an impressive survey. I mean, that was a large sampling size. Um, and I was really pleased to see the from at least from my perspective, the candid feedback you were able to generate from church leaders. And ultimately, what I took away is the importance of integrity at the senior level wow. and just how impactful that is for the well-being of the church overall. And I think that we might know this kind of in the back of our, our heads because when things go awry, it becomes very apparent. But from a prevention standpoint, I don't know that we've been quite so intentional. And I think your survey really helped us see um, how much better perhaps we can be within the body of Christ um, in the service of the church and ultimately also in the service of, of that leader when we maybe give a little bit more forethought to this important area. Yeah, absolutely. I want to talk with you more about what we can do and just some maybe advice, guidance you have around some of those preventative steps here in just a moment. But yeah, I also want to pick back up on, yeah, where you're talking about the importance of even organizations providing a level of care for their leaders. I know you've had other guests on your podcast talking about that. This is something that I know you're learning about all the time, sharing some thought leadership. Um but also in your work with so many leaders around the issue of burnout. Um, do you think that we have a bit of a crisis here as it relates to not just maybe integrity as it manifests on the outside of, of uh, how leaders behave, but also just a crisis of even our level of care for leaders within organizations? I think that's a great question. And honestly, again, I would turn to some fantastic data that perhaps um, you've seen, but um, Barna released recent survey data regarding pastoral burnout, and I was shocked to see that the number is something like 38% um, in its report that it released this year. So 38% of pastors struggle with burnout, or at least recognize that they're struggling with burnout. <laughs> I think, honestly, that that number could potentially be even higher because sometimes people don't realize that they're experiencing burnout until there is some sort of crisis. So from my perspective, um, I just see that there are a lot of pastors who really are on, on the edge of burnout. And because the nature of the role is to be of service. Um, yes. The nature of the role is to be sacrificial, truthfully. And so I think that in roles like that is particularly important that um, leaders are able to hear from the people around them because they may not automatically recognize that they're in a crisis situation. 
Yeah, don't you wonder, so with that 38% number, like you said, so many pastors are just giving, 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 um, or so many pastors that I know, it's like they always think, well, someone else is is worse off than I am, right? And so like, I'm not even going to say yes <laughs> when it comes to this survey. Like you said, I bet that number is, is a lot higher. Yeah, I think that's very true. And um, this is where I think um, as other church leaders like board members and maybe even family members are able to hopefully speak in to that senior leadership level to just say, listen, I see what you're doing. I see how hard you're working. I see how much you're giving of yourself. And maybe there is a way that we can we can pause, a way that we can um, really examine how we can be of service to you or to assist so that we don't go from a place of burnout to a place of, you know, crisp and maybe a point of no return, right? Because um, wow. one of the one of the really interesting um, podcasts that I was able to do is the session about why preventing pastoral burnout helps reduce legal liability. And you may not yeah, immediately see that. that there's a connection, but but there really is. I mean, we all are we're all better off if we can find ourselves in a place of giving from overflow as opposed to giving from a place of exhaustion. And I just want to acknowledge, Michael, here we are um, in Clergy Appreciation Month um, as we are oh, wow. recording this. And one of the things that I um, shared recently is that while it is beautiful to be able to celebrate clergy and, you know, maybe providing a special meal or cards or some sort of, um, you know, blessing of that sort. But it doesn't, it doesn't fix burnout. And uh. it really does take some, some action, some, some real effort toward um, maybe using the words of the Bible, striving in to achieve the rest of God, striving to achieve that rest because it is not automatic. It's not automatic as a result of the difficult work that pastors do. It's not automatic living in the society that we live in. It's not automatic coming out of a global pandemic. It's not automatic <laughs> living in a, um, a time where people are less committed to the work of ministry. And so all of those things are an added burden to pastors. And um, those of us who love and serve the church in this way really can come alongside and support the people who are so important to so many. Yes, yes. And what are some practical ways to Eureka that you've seen sort of the community that's surrounding uh, a pastor or another ministry leader what are some ways uh, that you've seen that folks have been able to do that really well? That's a really good question. I think the first thing is being intentional, Michael. Um, just mm. recognizing that by virtue of serving in that senior leader role, um, they're going to be taking some hits that the rest of us aren't. It is a unique position, and it, by by definition, is going to demand a lot of that senior leader. So those of us who come alongside, whether it's external, right, as professionals, such as myself, or whether it's internal, such as a board, um, but being very intentional, recognizing that if you don't set up a plan for success, 
um, and avoiding burnout and some of the fallout <laughs> that comes as a result, then it is almost an automatic reality. So I think the first thing I would say is those of us who come alongside of acknowledging that burnout is a direct result of this, this difficult, well, first of all, practical position, right? They are up front. Um, they are providing leadership to the ministry. But, you know, of course, it's spiritual as well. So that spiritual it's warfare, they, they are on the front lines. So acknowledging that it without a plan, um, burnout is almost um, naturally expected. And then when we get to the point of making that plan, actually being very intentional about what the plan looks like. So everything from helping the pastor establish um, safe boundaries um, for, for operations, for calendar, for family time, all of those practical boundaries, as well as being able to be supportive in the areas of um, the pastoral vision. Because I think that yeah. those kinds of things can often weigh heavy on a leader. Um, and then just some sort of written plan that, that helps understand these are our um, expectations as a church, um, as a nonprofit, and we are here to support you to, to meet those expectations. That's so good. So good. I think if everybody just stop right there, hit pause and got to work on the plan that you just talked about, we'd be in such a better place. So that's good. You know, I was also thinking, Erika, as you shared that uh, it's like the old saying, like, it takes two. I really think in this area, it takes two. And you were just talking about the community that surrounds a leader. And uh, yeah, certainly boards of organizations have a unique role to play in this dynamic as the one that's really responsible for providing that level of oversight, appropriate level of oversight for the leader. But then there's also, yeah, the leader, and that's kind of the other side of this it takes too. Um, so speak to the leaders who are listening. I think this takes a level of uh, real Christ-like humility to be able to recognize uh, I'm finite, <laughs> like I'm not perfect, I don't have it all together, um, none of us do, and just recognizing humanity and, and in some ways even embracing that the board or this community that's surrounding the leader is kind of God's gift to that leader, and it's a measure of God's grace. So speak to the leaders, because I know many, just I'm thinking of those that are out there, uh, not ones to often ask for help or feel like we got to put on the strong, good face all the time. Just talk to leaders and provide a level of encouragement there that this is really a gift. Sure. Well, if it's okay, Michael, I'd like to use myself as an example, which I've which I've done with several pastors. Um, you know, I grew up in the church, and I'm very thankful for that. I um, really appreciate the pastoral leadership that I've had in my life. I've had amazing pastors. So I grew up in a church, and my pastor um, was just this amazing, um, extemporaneous fantastic, loving leader. And, uh. um, and it was, it, frankly, when I went off to college, um, that was one of the saddest things I missed was my church. Um, yes. And then when I moved away to go to law school, I just remember leaving, you know, my little apartment with my Bible in one hand and a map in another hand trying to find a church. <laughs> <laughs> and ultimately, I found this amazing congregation in this pastor 
Um, and his family literally took me into their care. They knew that I was from out of state, that I was here for college, and they took me into their care. Um, and I bumped into um, this pastor recently, he and, his, he and his wife, and I want to say that they're in their 80s now. And just the Wow. amazing impact Yeah. that they had on my life. Um, and I and I got a chance to just say, thank you so much. <laughs> you know, here I was this, you know, person in my mid 20s. And I was, you know, without a family in the area. And not only did they speak the word into my life, they really cared for me like a child, like one of their own. And I'm just saying from my own experience, can't believe I'm getting a little choked up, like pastors mean so much. I have not had a pastor in my life who has not blessed me, blessed my family, literally blessed my kids, you know? And so I want pastors to just embrace all that they've done. And I think as a part of acknowledging all that they've done, maybe they can put themselves in a place where they can receive the grace of others. Wow. Wow. So well said. That's beautiful. Yeah. I, I just was thinking too, uh, pastors, ministry leaders were often encouraging everyone to receive God's grace, like God's free gift, <laughs> gift of salvation, gift of these things. And yeah, I just would echo that and kind of encourage the same to say, embracing this level of care, even uh, love in a sense through accountability and through those support structures, It's really an opportunity for leaders today to be able to receive a gift in a sense, right? Yeah, amen. I, I think that, um, you know, one of the things that I I do each day is just a part of my morning devotion is I write down my gratitudes and I also write down my acts of service. Because sometimes I don't when have you're a person who gives out, you can almost skip over the ways you give. And because you skip over the ways you give, you press yourself to continue to give and give and give. And sometimes you give above maybe what you're even physiologically, emotionally able to do at the time. And so I just encourage pastors to perhaps to have some sort of practice where they're able to sit in front of, you know, the presence of God and, and maybe just say, Lord, thank you that I was able to serve in whatever way today. Thank you for the people that, you know, maybe the ministry that I did um, within the pulpit, outside the pulpit, the phone call that I took to minister to this person in need, the hospital visit, to be able to really sit with that and acknowledge that you were used by God to be of service and so that you can also be replenished um, within the way that you're, you're living your life. Because we know that there are two sides of the coin. There's the giving and there's also the receiving. And we want to keep those things both in mind. Um, and I love the, the hearts of pastors um, because they, they really just sort of focus on that one side of giving. It's true. Um, but we know that only God is able to give without being given out, right? But as humans, we do have limitations. And that doesn't make us any less. It just means that we're human. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I'm I'm bordering on my uh, 
speaking out of, uh, I, I'm not a pastor, I'm not a theologian, so it's like I'm careful to draw these scriptural references. Neither of us are, by the way, but I feel like we're we're making those spiritual connections. I was thinking, too, in what you said, too, Eureka, about even the example of Jesus, um, right? And so in his ministry, he modeled what it looked like when he was in human flesh to, at times, like pull away from those stresses, pull away from those demands of ministry. And like you said, just spend time in the presence of the Father, be refueled, be recharged. And what a great model that is for all of us. Yeah, and it's very interesting, exactly to your point. Um, I'm, I'm not a pastor, um, but just as I've been so blessed by pastors, um, I'm also thankful for the many times that pastors have said to me that I've been a help to them. And, um, and I think a big part of the reality of being an attorney is that, um, God willing, we, we're used to listening to difficult things. You know, we are used to taking on the challenges of others, of being an advocate for, for them. Um, we're also people who are by oath, um, ones who keep confidences, right? The the duty of confidentiality is a paramount one for the work that we do. So when I've been able to work with pastors and have them say, you know, I feel so much better <laughs> as a result. Um, and I, you, I think you know this, Michael, but I actually created a course specifically for pastors in burnout. I didn't imagine um. God was moving me in this direction, but last year, um, frankly, as I was also coming out of my own burnout as an attorney um, who's worked for over 20 years in law firm environments, um, a, an equity partner at a law firm with over 200 attorneys. It's one of those things that, you know, you have a great month and then the next month starts at zero. And that's what I did for 27, you know, 24 years or something like that. And so just that constant spinning, you know, even though yes. I felt called to do it, I'm, I'm known as the church attorney. But when I felt God leading me to make a change, it was almost like, how can I do that? Right? Like, am I, am I turning away from my calling? So I could really relate so much to the pastors that I talked to who would reach out to me and say, can you help me with this? Like, I feel like I want to make a change. I want to do something different or I'm really um, feeling exhausted. And the biggest compliment I will say, Michael, is I walk with pastors in, in the six-week course. It's called Take the Next Call. I actually had a pastor say, I wish I had this course 10 years ago. Like I would wow. have taken this course 10 years ago. Like it would have alleviated so much stress and pressure that I experienced. I had a wife say to me, like literally in tears, thank you for providing this. I see the difference in my husband. Mm -hmm. Right? Wow. So if you as, um, as, a, as a spouse can see your your husband who you know your spouse who's the senior leader um okay. come to a place where they are able to really be more at peace and more and ultimately if i can say it this way michael more reliance on god to do yes. the god-sized things because i do yes. feel like that striving that we can get into as people who love god right because we do mm -hmm. feel like we've got this this extra power which we do it's the holy spirit but we also live in humanity and so when i heard the the you know his wife say 
so touched, like so emotionally touched saying this made such a difference in my husband's life. It really confirmed for me that there there is a way that we can move pastors from, from burnout or that pastors can move from burnout to a place of more peace and serving God and more joy, but it does take intentionality. Yeah, it really does. Takes intentionality, laying oneself down, being humble, recognizing humanness, so many things that we talked about. I'm really glad, Eureka, that uh, not only did you uh, produce that course, but thank you for mentioning it. We'll put a link to that in the show notes for those that want more information about that. I think that's uh, that's just beautiful. I want to come back to, to something else that you shared earlier, which was um, there is a level of burnout that uh, anyone can get to. And again, but for the grace of God, there go we. You just talked about your burnout story. I know so many of us, I've been there. We've, uh, we've all been there in some ways, but there is this dangerous level of tired or burnout that one can reach where you know, bad decisions are made. Uh, there's failures in leadership and whatever the case may be. We see too much of that today. And I think that's really a big part behind, yeah, the survey work we've done at ECFA and some of the resources and conversations that we're having. Um, but you mentioned, Erika, just some of the putting back on your your attorney hat. I'm grateful for that perspective on the podcast today. Um what are some of those legal issues? I mean, this this issue is just multi has it's multifaceted, lots of dynamics. What are some of the legal issues that you've seen from organizations where maybe unfortunately there is some kind of a, a leadership failure? Um, what should we be thinking about in terms of those legal issues? Yeah, Michael, I think as you've suggested, sometimes we unfortunately get the data on what's not working after there's been a moral failure. And I'm I'm sad that that has too often been the case, but I think the goal, um, don't wanna speak uh, for, for you or ECFA, but I do think a, a part of the goal of the podcast here is to be able to have people be forward thinking, um, be yes. thinking in advance of any possible um, legal misdoing or um, any other moral moral failure. And so some of the things that, that can happen that I've unfortunately seen happen is that when someone is having, uh, experiencing burnout, often they look to maybe soothe themselves in a way that is not, um, not honorable. Um, uh -huh. And so that can be sometimes power, power struggles. Um, I, I'm not sure if you listen to, as we talk about podcasts, one of the interesting podcast, um, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. Um, uh -huh. Very interesting. I, I think it had many, many millions of listeners, but um, Mike Cosper, the gentleman who created that, I actually had the chance to interview him and we were talking about some of the things that we saw in the unwinding of whole experience and again it was in part um burnout you know running hard um also there were some major governance concerns that that were a result of power struggles sometimes when people have a vision and they um, maybe don't feel that they have the energy to hear the the divergent voices in the room um, they want to yeah. run ahead and sometimes, you know, there is a, a trip over proper governance matters and that can lead to serious legal liability and misgivings. 
Um, another example is where people um, maybe step outside the bounds um, in their personal lives. And mm -hmm. while personal lives in, in many industries could be personal, right? But in the church, um, we do have different expectations. And so sometimes that can lead to, uh, I had a very interesting legal matter where, um, you know, a, a pastor and, and his wife um, had uh, difficulties as a result of um, some moral failures. And, and then there was legal um, component to that. And ultimately there was subpoenas to the church and other unfortunate scenarios. And again, I think what we're looking to achieve today is to say, you know, pastors don't, um, don't have to live in a vacuum. You know, you don't have to go it alone. And yes. it is very amazing that sometimes these leaders who are surrounded by so many people feel alone. And I just want to acknowledge that, um, that, that you may have that feeling. And I want to acknowledge that you may feel that you, you don't have a safe space. Um, but I think that what we are hoping to do today is to maybe raise a banner um, to say that you are loved and there are other options. That's exactly right. And to tag on, yeah, wh where you kind of landed there, Eureka, too, is I know our heart at ECFA, too, is not to say that because um, there is an appropriate level of engagement, too, between the board and a leader. And we're not saying that, you know, a board of an organization should become the leader's personal accountability group, per se, or whatever it may be. But a level of openness, a level of conversation and collaboration between the leader and the organization where the leader can get that help, you know, whether that's, uh, yeah, marriage counseling and the example that you uh, maybe mentioned that could have been helpful and preventative or or some other kind of respite or experience or care, you know, whatever it may be that could have been helpful. And so I think that so much is the heart of what we're trying to say. And I did want to come back to to another point you're making along the legal lines. And that is just as you're thinking, like you've seen some of those, um, I guess you could call them worst case scenarios or bad, bad scenarios, and they've played out. And so now there's a little bit of hindsight and you could go back and you could look back backwards uh, in some of those and say, I wonder, uh, here are some things that organizations, maybe others could learn from and say, what could, what could have been done maybe even more preventatively from a legal standpoint? Is that something that you could speak to? Sure. Well, I do think the first thing is maybe even the process of onboarding a pastor um, for churches that are in the situation where you're going to be engaging a pastor from an employment standpoint. I've also worked with a lot of pastors who are founding pastors, and sometimes that can be a, a bit more difficult because they really have been on the ground level. But nevertheless, I think that having, having a board that can help a pastor from the very beginning carve out some healthy boundaries. Um, wow. So I think those healthy boundaries can be ensuring that the pastor is working from his or her place of strength right? Whatever that is. I have some pastors and they say, you know, they acknowledge that their place of strength is more teaching. And then I have pastors who have more of an administrative strength, 
And so they're more focused on planting and growth, et cetera. Um, but whatever that pastor's place of strength to really try to build around that place of strength and also try to um, move to another plate or other plates, those other areas so that um, so that there's the kind of stretch that that life demands of us generally, but there's not the kind of daily overstretch that can really lead to burnout. So I think right on the front end of being able to have those clear supportive boundaries um, of that of that senior leader. And, and secondly, along the same lines of making sure that you really do support that that time off, that time of disengagement, being able to support the, the pastor having adequate family time and knowing that um, that that you know that the pastor won't be um, hindered in any way of that. Um, a third thing I want to mention is the financial component. I don't know uh -huh. that we've mentioned that so far, but I have found in my you know twenty four plus years experience is that while the finances um, of a church can be um, a challenge to you know, various various people who are involved in the ministry, ultimately, I think the pastor feels that um, greatly and, yes. the, and the possible impact of that vision. So I do think having those very candid conversations um, to be able to understand the pastoral vision and ways financially that it needs to be supported and planned for um, is also very important and, you know, Parenthetically, I think that we're also seeing that, again, many churches are having more struggles from a fiscal standpoint. And so being able to have some preventative conversations along those lines so that 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 weight and pressure can be, um, if not alleviated, limited um, to a greater degree. And then I would also say, maybe finally, that the pastor would be able to access the support needed maybe outside the church as well, um, whether that is a course such as I suggested or a um, or any other kinds of um, programs or or being able to even connect with areas of interest, you know, um, away from the church in a safe and, and productive way so that um, so that those things are more life giving. Um, those are those are some of the the thoughts that I would have. Um, and I'm not sure, I, you know, I just want to maybe mention this as well. Um, I do want to go back to the whole idea of having a written plan, whether that is through the board, um, the governing board and how the governing board can support um, the pastor's well-being, as well as, um, you know, a plan that helps outline what the what the expectations are um, in in terms of leading in the most integral way and being wow. able to know who and how um, those points of integrity can be supported. Wow. Yeah. All so good. Um, again, yeah, we could take time and we could <laughs> we could do podcasts about, I think, each of those things that you recommended. Uh, I echo all those encouragements, Sirika. And I'm wondering, too, just as our time kind of begins to come to a close here, too, are there some examples, too, that you think of um, maybe organizations that are already doing this well? Um, you know, are there is there fruit that you're seeing? Is there 
uh, a difference, right, that's being made in some of these organizations where there is a level of healthy leadership, there is a level of healthy engagement between the leader and the board. Any any of those good stories that you can share? Well, I will say I was able to interview um, a really amazing leader, um, and I can't remember the exact name of his organization, so forgive me for that. Um, but he his his name is Bishop Dennis Ralph Dennis, and he actually was able to speak to um, what it is like to be that father figure, you know, even within the church. And he uh. talked about how he was able to identify um, um, and, and support other pastors who were experiencing burnout and come alongside them and even be a support from a ministry standpoint and um, be be a, a confidant. Um, and, and I think it's probably, I mean, he, I can't remember the name of his organization, and some of these things may even be done in a less formal manner. But I think it's, it's just amazing that if we can have this awareness, then I think that we can put ourselves in a place where we can be better supporters of those who are in need. Because the first thing is to be able to acknowledge that the need even exists. Yes, 100%. That's good. Yeah, thank you for, for sharing that positive story with us. And yeah, is there anything else that uh, that you think of, Erika? Uh, I know we've covered a lot of ground today, and you've already shared so much that's been helpful. But, you know, I really sense the Lord's presence here with us. And if there's anything else that you kind of feel on your heart to share, just want to give you that opportunity. Well, thank you so much. Again, thank you for the opportunity to be here to speak with um, with you and to be with your listeners. Um, I just want to encourage pastors, their families, and the leadership team around them to know that um, that there is hope, that there is support, that there is a way forward, that um, we can really approach this without the need for shame. Um, without the need for shame at all, knowing that um, God, our Heavenly Father, is here with us and that um, as the body of Christ, we are here for you. Yeah, good. That's a good word. And for more good words for me, Rika, <laughs> we've talked about your Church Law Podcast. I look forward to having you back, uh, whether it's on this podcast or another ECFA webinar opportunity. But in the meantime, for those that want to keep up with you, Erika, how do they do that uh, through the Church Law Podcast? So you can find all of my information at erikacole.com. So that's E-R-I-K-A-C-O-L-E.com. All right. Short and sweet. That's great. Hey, thank you so much, Erika. Appreciate you and, and really your heart and all the wisdom that you shared with us today. Pleasure to be with you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to ECFA's Behind the Seal podcast. Erika's Church Law podcast and the courses she mentioned can be found at erikacole.com. That's E-R-I-K-A-C-O-L-E.com. And we'd be honored if you'd leave a review on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. It really goes a long way. And share this with a friend, a colleague, hey, maybe even your pastor. Speaking of your pastor... I thought it was so encouraging how Erika was reflective and cognizant of the impact her pastors made on her life. And I don't think that's coincidence how she's directed her professional career and blessing and serving the pastor and clergy community right back. Good on you, Erika. 
And let that be a reminder to us to thank and encourage our own pastors. And here's something to consider. Maybe it's a reminder or a wake-up call to befriend our pastors. Be involved in their lives, how they have been involved in ours.